You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. What I'm intending to build are systems, institutions, and policies that are rooted in supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. And I'm helping people to do the same so that we have an entirely different ecosystem. So those people who want to do capitalism 1.0, they can go right ahead. We'll be doing capitalism 2.0. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So hopefully y'all can't hear the noise. My air conditioner has decided it does not want to cooperate and there's a portable unit attempting to keep me from melting because again, it is hot today. So, um, it has been an interesting day. However, I had the distinct benefit of being able to have this podcast episode scheduled and me and my guests had such a big and layered and nuanced and just, it was, it was a a conversation and I'm here for all of it. Like it was all the things and I appreciate being able to, you know, celebrate this person and let them know, like, you know, you have impacted me and also being able to have dynamic conversation and to be able to also talk about like, not just, Hey, this is what's going on or this is what's happening or this is what's wrong. Like, however you want to language that, but also acknowledging this is what can happen. This is what's possible. This is where we want to go. And making sure that things always go back to action is such an important piece. So super, super, super excited to be able to go into this because this conversation, this just, oh my gosh, it was great. So I'm going to tell you about my guest and do a couple more things and I'm going to let y'all get into it. Um, So super excited to be able to share Kim Creighton with everyone listening and or reading today. Um, As the anti-racist economist, Kim Creighton is dedicated to building a future that is supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. Formerly known for hashtag cause a scene, she used her platform to call out harm and the facade of inclusion, often consulting with tech companies that were experiencing air quotes challenges when it came to ensuring the welcoming and psychological safety of their work environment. 
after years of the status quo, Kim has shifted. She is no longer putting out fires and instead is ready to focus her time and efforts on moving forward. Having worked so many years as an educator, she decided to become the mentor she wished she'd had. Using her own lived experience to guide her, Kim has been actively working to build businesses that model profit without oppression by sharing knowledge and helping others develop skills in ways that accommodate the masses. In doing so, Kim is laying the foundation for a future that is hopeful, authentic, and strategic in action. Are you in? I love that the bio ended in a question. I like it. So again, we got into so much goodness and I want to make sure that you are taking in all the pieces of what we're talking through. And honestly, I would love for you to listen to this podcast more than once because there was just so much here. And I want to make sure that you're getting this and being able to make sure that things aren't being lost um, is such an important part of being in action, which obviously you already know that inside of Pause on the Play, the community action is really the thing. We, we can talk all day long and you need to have that conversation to be able to understand, okay, you know, what's happening here that maybe I'm unaware of, what am I missing? Um, we know what's possible, but it needs to translate to action. So if you want to be able to continue that action and you know that this is something that you want to be able to do and you want to do it with others, you can come on over to pauseontheplay.com whenever you are ready. Today would be amazing. <laughs> so that you can be a part of the community and have conversations with your fellow members about this episode. That'll be great. So before we get into this, I also want to make sure that I acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, Piscataway, Nantigo people native to this area known as Maryland. All right, y'all, let's get it. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, Kim. I am so excited to have you here and to introduce you to the Pause on the Play readers and audience listening in. How are you today? I'm amazing. I am absolutely amazing. I just had a wonderful last week, um, recuperated over the weekend. So I'm ready to dive into this conversation with my Black sister. Let's go. Yes. I like all <laughs> of it. All of it. Really excited for it. Awesome. Awesome. So, one of the things that actually came up when we were talking before we started to record, because I'm just going to hop right on in. There you go. Now, you know me, baby. Let's start in the middle. Let's, let's not do, the, <laughs> let's not do the, 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 the small talk. Let's get right into it. Yes. So we were talking about the fact that I think the last time you, myself, and India had connected, it, I think it was last year. The beginning. It was beginning yes. of last year. Yeah. And so 2020, 2021, which all felt like a blur, it was kind of mashed together um, in not a good way, but it was. Um, and now we're in 2022 and there's been a lot. <laughs> and I was like, you were like, well, wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to hold that part. For me and for what I experienced, it felt like 2020 and 2021, there were a lot of things that came up and it was very challenging. And 2022, it seems like, there's a little bit of trying to pull out of that muck, even though there's different kinds of muck trying to show up, but it's not <laughs> what it was because what I didn't realize until after, you know, really having that retrospective view on it was that 2020 put me in full burnout. Mm. And then I was like, okay, no, 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 this, this can't be my norm. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because I recognize for myself that I was so busy trying to be of support 
mm-hmm. be of service. Um, you know, having this huge boom in my business while also being a black woman mm-hmm. in the middle of so much trauma mm-hmm. on top of a pandemic and normalcy being completely gone. Children in school, you can't really go nowhere. Like <laughs> everything that could happen was like, okay, here you go. Take all this. <laughs> and exactly. So, exactly. You want, you want seconds? You want right. thirds that. You want thirds. <laughs> exactly. And so 2022 is like, oh, okay. So we're, you know, I'm now re- recreating actively what mm-hmm. I want normal to be. Mm-hmm. However, I actually want to know kind of what that was for you because there's been a lot of things for you that have shifted in the past couple of years. Yeah. So I didn't have, I was made for a freaking pandemic, man. Dang. The fact that I didn't have to deal with any fuckers, boy, I was <laughs> happy. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have to. And I was high most of the time. God damn. 2020 was amazing for me. Um, <laughs> I love it. I do. I genuinely um, do. And I see, I understand why so many people hit a wall in 2020 because right. that was, um, I was prepared for that time I, I, leading up to that. So cause of scene started in 2018 mm-hmm. and cause of scene came out of a, a space where I was just over everybody wanting to talk about <sighs> inclusion and diversity. And they didn't even have equity in the name at the time. It was just DNI. Right. And assuming that I was a DNI expert and I'm like, no, I am a business strategist. I'm help here to help you realize that your product or service is not a business. You need processes, procedures, and policies in place so you can operationalize your core values, which make you able to um, innovate, differentiate, and compete and, and profit. But the reason I have to keep talking about D&I or DEI at this point, because no one has it. I don't want to be dealing with this. I want to be build, helping you build your business. But I can't do that in an in information economy where diversity is not a nice to have. It is a must have when you are, um, your products and services are impacting a global community. This is not the ACE hardware on the, on the corner where if all of your customers were white supremacists, no one cared because that was the community you lived in. Right. You can't just be a full off white supremacist and expect black people and brown people to buy shit from you. What the hell? Um, and, and, and in many cases, um, white folks don't realize that their behavior, um, their business operations are rooted in white supremacy and anti-blackness. That's what I want to talk about. And so, um, I saw it coming. So cause the scene came out of, I'm so sick of people talking about it. And I was just ready to blow shit up. I just really was ready to disrupt. I was just like, screw it. I have nothing to lose. At that point, I had $30 in my checking account. People wanted to fly me all over to these conferences, but don't want to pay me. Don't want to pay the, um, I get to a conference. They haven't taken care of the hotel stuff. So they're putting a a block on my card. Well, that was the only money I had. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to look like, I'm traveling the world, but trying to like look like I have something, and I did not. And I was just right. fed up because people weren't asking the questions. People didn't care. All they cared about was I was on their stage, and I was making their cut. You know, they wanted me to bring bring me in to make white folks uncomfortable. But you weren't doing anything to benefit me. I was not getting anything out of it. Um, and so at that point, I was like, screw it. I have nothing to lose. I'm about to lose my house. I'm about to lose my car. What the fuck? So I just started calling people out. So cause a scene came out of that. I was just angry. If I was going to be the trope of the angry black woman, I was going to live up to it. I was going to be strategic about being the angry black woman. 
And so by the time 2020 got here, I'd done two years of that. I'd done all that work. I purged, I screamed, I cried, I pointed out, I'd done everything I could and I was, I was ready to move on, but I didn't realize it because I kept saying in my work, at first I was saying white people, um, need to be uncomfortable. Then I realized, oh, white people can take a lot of discomfort. <laughs> so they mm-hmm. need to be in pain. Oh, mm-hmm. they can take a lot of pain. So they, somebody needs to die. And that wasn't me saying that whiteness needs to die. It was just, I'm looking at patterns. And right. so when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, okay. So I didn't predict the pandemic. I just knew the behavior that was going to come from the pandemic right. because I had been waiting on it because nothing else. I saw us moving into 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 what people consider, and this is just the first time I'm ever saying this, forced <laughs> diversity, inclusion, and equity, mm-hmm. um, instead of understanding that it is necessary for, and because it was forced, or they perceived that it was being forced upon them, they were fighting hard against it. And so it would take something very traumatic for white supremacy, for whiteness, to realize, oh, it's not just them who's being impacted by that. It's us too. Oh yeah, yeah. No one escapes this unharmed. And so when white when p- the pandemic shut shut everything out, it sh- highlighted so many things that I've been talking about. Like tech is not neutral uh, nor apolitical. Um, intention without strategy is chaos. A uh, chaos. Um, Lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And we have to prioritize most vulnerable. We saw all of that in in, in like very vivid color mm-hmm. in 2020. So I just sat back and just watched. I was just, because I knew it was coming. And so I just sat back. And then I was just started seeing like white people saying, oh, let the elderly go back to work. And I was like, damn, black people, I don't care Mama can have one leg, one eye with a colonic bag and no. she ain't going nowhere. It was like, <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, so white folks need, but white folks need to see that there's no solidarity in whiteness. There's no loyalty in whiteness. There's no community in whiteness. It's all about individuality. And the people with the most powerful are always putting the people with the, uh, who are the most vulnerable in positions mm-hmm. that you would, that, that with the false narrative that we're equal. But you're putting the most vulnerable in positions where they can be harmed. Think about essential workers, period. Yeah. They were all essential. We was clapping for them and this, that, and other. And two years later, we're treating them like shit again. So I just sat back and I watched. And then George Floyd happened. And I was like, okay, this was my moment. This was, and then you saw all the white guilt. Oh my God. And I told black folks, if you weren't getting paid right now for all this white guilt, I don't know what to tell you. But you need to go on and get your money from these white people and you need to hold on to it. Because at some point, very soon, they're going to realize, oh, shit, this really made me uncomfortable three months ago. But this isn't really my this is not my 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 fight. So I'm going to get distracted and I'm going to go do this other thing. Right. And so <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I want people I told people and I was very clear um, about about this. I mean, right after George Floyd, July, I did an introduction to being anti-racist course, which was 1,200 people. Um, two months later, I did part two. It was a three-part series, being anti-racist at home, and it was less than 300. And then two yeah. months after that was the third part, being anti-racist at work, and it was right at 200 people. And so I, was, so I wasn't upset. I knew it was happening mm-hmm. because... This is how whiteness works. Right. And so this is also why people like 
Robin D'Angelo, whose book, um, White Fragility, is not about anti-racism, was on the bestseller. She made more money off black trauma than black people made off black trauma. I, that that people are like, what book should I read? I not that I never recommended. I'm like, that is training wheels. I don't that, want you on that. Well, well, let me this. let me let's break down why I don't. I used to recommend that book until I saw it play out in real world. Because this is the difference between, and this is why my work is so rooted in in practice and not theory. Right. This is the difference between academic theory and 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 something happening in real life. What she was, what she did, what that book did. It was an academic theory which provided whiteness with a language of their behavior. What it did not do was a call of action for them to change that behavior. So right. what they started doing in the in the wilds, as I call them, was to start using that language to gaslight of everybody else. When right. they did something, oh, oh, it's my white fragility. I don't give a fuck about your white fragility. You need to manage your feelings. Now you understand this shit. That doesn't absolve you from the harm. So that's what they did. It, it was the, oh, this is what it is. But there was never a, what do I need to do to make amends and make the people whole who my white fragility harm? This is also why I'm, I'm, I'm going all over the place, people. Y'all have to go with me. Take this ride. This is also why I don't believe in the term microaggressions. I never use it. There's nothing micro about it. It is professional violence because that's what microaggressions is 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 um, is explained through white fragility. Oh, that was just uh, you know my fragility, bitch. If you crying because I sent you an email and I haven't hit you in your face, you need to stop all that. That. Because because what happens is we're not on we're no longer discussing the email now we're discussing your tears and now I'm on the defensive because now everybody's coming to you wondering why Kim made you cry. Well, because now I can't simply explain where I am, what my feelings are, where a boundary got violated, and what needs to happen next. Because nobody gives a fuck about that. Because at this right. point, as I always say, whiteness can only be cast in two roles. Hero or victim and never the villain. Yes. So if it can never be the villain, then that means we're the villain. And so that's why whiteness created blackness. Right. Right. So getting back to why these two years. So at that point, I was ready. By the, by the time 2020 got here, I felt a shift in me because what I saw with the pandemic which was really highlighted for me that because I talk about systems, institutions and policies designed to uh, privilege the very few and include the very few at the expense and harm and violent be, um, targeting of the of the majority. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was the, the <laughs> was I'm a researcher at heart was the best data sets being being shown to me that because before this my the book title that I was going to write was something to the effect of uh, redefining capitalism uh, without white supremacy the the economics of being anti-racist and what I realized during the pandemic was okay Kim it can't be dismantled it is not broken. It is performing exactly how it was designed. So I had a question to ask myself. Do you want to continue to put energy resources into something that is, is working as designed? So many invisible levers that you can never get your hand around. You can never. Once you think you got this tiger by the tail, this tiger has 20,000 tails. And so you're just getting whipped all over the place. And I was tired of it. So in 2020, I just decided I woke up one day 
And I'm not a biblically quote, I don't quote Bible verses, but I woke up from a, from a, from a, um, THC induced, uh, meditation. And <laughs> I, um, said, I'm no longer putting new wine in old wineskins. And I, I was like, wow. And then I thought about Audrey Lord, the master's tools would never dismantle the master's house. Yes. And I was like, okay. So then I was like, what does this really mean? And I had to finally say, okay, Kim, what you've been doing is stop doing that. This is why you're going to stop doing that. And this is what you're going to get do in return. But systems, institutions, and policies designed for chaos and destruction, because that's the only thing white supremacy is designed for, chaos and destruction, are designed for me to continue a loop of stop doing that. This is why we're going to stop doing that. Stop doing that. This is why. We never get to what we're going to do instead because it's a distraction. It keeps you from doing anything that counters it. And so I had to step out of cause a scene. I had to step out of what I was seeing around the world. And say, I literally tell people, I feel like I'm in the matrix, outside of the matrix, but everything that's uh, that I need to work with is inside the matrix. So I need to be very strategic of how I'm going to engage. And so it became a very clear understanding for me that any more effort put into dismantling, tearing down, quote unquote, repairing is a not only a waste but it's designed for it to burn me out. It is designed for me as a black woman to have high blood pressure and, and diabetes to get all that stuff because we are the moral compass of this world and our collective liberation is through us. So this is the work we do. We've always taken care of everybody else. So this, this hopefully gives you some insight into why you were burning out because when the shit hits the fan, black it is black women who have been trained to come in and clean that shit up, right? Yeah. And so whether we admit it or not, that is our role. Just like white women's role is literally to uh, propagate and sustain white supremacy. They literally breed white supremacists. People don't have to like what I say, but that is what it is. So everybody has a role to play. White women is there to protect white supremacy at all costs and to breed the next generation of white supremacists. Black women is the same thing. When they brought us over here, we take we take care of everybody. We take care of the white babies. They we take care of the black babies before they stale, they sell them off. We take care of our husbands. We take care of um, the the massa. We take care of everybody. And but when we start focusing on ourselves, now we're selfish. Now we're we're we forgot our place. All all these other things. So I was like, no 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 no. What I'm not gonna do is die for this. I'm not trying to be a martyr for this work. And so yeah. it became a. Uh, what does it look like to say I'm no longer putting new wine in the old wine skins? And so that's what I was doing. So I stopped the podcast in 2020 because I had nothing else to say. I was done. I mean, right. I literally knew when that last episode was. And when I did that last episode, I went to my team. I was like, I'm done. I didn't. It was no plan. I was just I just knew I had said everything I need to say about cause scene. That content is available. I've created enough content for those people who still need to stop doing that and why you need to stop doing that. But I'm moving on to the PhD level. I cannot keep continue to be um, teaching ABCs. We never get to words. We never get to paragraphs. We never get to essays. We never get to dissertations, doc studies, because we're always teaching ABCs. But that's yeah. a distraction. And so I have enough content. And like I was telling you, somebody else can pick up the work of cause of scene. I'm not doing it. I've, I've, right. I've laid out a, a, a playbook for how to do it. Go right ahead. I'm right. no longer doing it. 
because I have the knowledge and skills to build something else. So what I'm doing is building alternatives and I'm building. And, but that wasn't that was the first step. But I was like, that is not enough because I don't want my work in the future to be rooted in being against white supremacy and anti-blackness. My work is rooted in something positive. I want to be moving towards instead of against. So what I de- what I developed is how do I talk about white supremacy and anti-blackness, but not talk about white supremacy and anti-blackness. And so what it is, is I developed the profit without oppression economic theory, which is because everybody keeps talking about, oh, capitalism is bad. Capital- Cap- that's bullshit. Capitalism is a theory. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's how it's been implemented is what is problematic. Capitalism is a theory that talks only about how businesses how private ownership that's all it is it's it right. but w- in the united states we built our capitalist system from an understanding that we need to justify the um the annihilation of indigenous people and enslavement of africans so that is what we've exported around the world because adam smith who was who people consider the grandfather of economics was an abolitionist and his book wealth of nations came out in 1776. What else happened in 1776? Let's think about it. <gasps> oh, our constitution. So all the framers of the, of the constitution, particularly uh, Benjamin Franklin and, and Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton, they, uh, they knew what um, Amber Smith was talking about, but that to placate and well, I'm not even going to say placate because they didn't, because Thomas Jefferson obviously didn't have any problems with slavery since he still had slaves. He um, did not. Exactly. So I'm not even, so I was about to fuck the narrative up too. Uh, no, it wasn't placating. They did what they needed to do to justify what they were doing so they can continue to have free labor. And so what I'm saying, if, if these people got to decide what capitalism looked like, then I get to decide what capitalism looks like. And so for me, capitalism looks like so the profit without, profit without oppression theory seeks to, seeks to discover, can we have an economic environment, an ecosystem that is supremacy free, coercion free, discrimination free and exploitation free? That's all I want to talk about. I don't want to I'm not having any other conversations about what was. I'm only talking about what is because the issue is once I've I've had this 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 track record of waking white people up to the the issues that we really are facing that they don't see because there is designed for them not to see. I have no alternatives for them to turn to. And so right. it becomes every day becomes some algorithmic um, um, ex, um, expression of trying to figure out can I use this product or service based on my ethics and morals and now you're trying to cut okay it's not too bad but it does that and okay am, do I feel strongly yes. about this how strongly do, I'm like screw all that I'm just tired of all that that's again that's a distraction so what I want to right. what I'm intending to build are systems institutions and policies that are rooted in supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. And I'm helping people to do the same so that we have an entirely different ecosystem. So those people who want to do capitalism 101, I mean 1.0, they can go right ahead. We'll be doing capitalism 2.0. So everything you said, first of all, there were multiple multiple points where I was like, mm-hmm, that. Because I've talked, like capitalism as the example, I've talked about it before. And I, what I've appreciated in my own understanding is that capitalism is not the thing. Capitalism is a tool. 
Yes. It's whose hands. It's a framework. It's right. It gives us a language to talk about so we can have a common, like, oh, this is capitalism thing. How do we define it so that you and I can talk about it? Right. And, uh, and operation or act on it or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so like that part, I'm like, yes, that. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, there's all these other pieces. I'm like, ooh, that. Because <laughs> I think part of what was true for me was true for a lot of people, which was that there was a lot of effort and energy put into telling people what you're doing is not okay. You didn't know up until this point, but I'm telling you because for whatever reason, you are willing to actually take in this message. But what you said is hundred percent accurate. Then what? Mm-hmm. And that was where, um, you know, I would, what you said was, was true too. Like witnessing people fall off where it was like, all of a sudden, like you had, you know, three times as many people. And now we're down to maybe a quarter, mm-hmm. not even just a third and having to figure out what's next. And that was where, you know, we had to figure out what, you know, what are we doing to make people solution oriented? If we just talking, exactly. talking does nothing. Well, also <laughs> white folks get in a cycle of shame and guilt and do nothing. When they get in that cycle, that. they are helpless. They are oh my, and, and harmful. Yes. It's like, it's not just one, they are helpless and harmful. And so yes. my, my, as an educator, that does your shame and your guilt does nothing for me. No, it, it provides nothing. It's all about you. No. And so when we, you know, did, you know, all of the imperfect allyship pieces, letting people know, like, it's not that you can't mess up. It's that you have to be willing to do anything to even possibly mess up. Cause that at least means you're doing something mm-hmm, that means mm-hmm. you're trying to figure it out. And the problem is not to fuck it up. The problem is what you do after you fuck it up. And because I tell people this, so let's, let's put this out here. There are, I even, we all fuck it up because Thank let, you. let's, let's let, let me put it we are trying to create something that was never meant to exist. Correct. You and I should still be slaves. Right. We are trying. So we're all messing it up. But for me, it is about always how I get around. That is I'm always focused on the most vulnerable. And when I do fuck up, how do I, what did I learn? How do I make amends mm-hmm. and make these individuals whole again? That. It cannot be just, Oh, I fucked up. No, you have to make amends and you have yes. to make people whole as best as you can. We, there, there has to be action involved. And so moving to that And that's place, why I'm going to challenge you. That's why I don't, I don't have allies. If you're not a co-conspirator, mm-hmm. I have absolutely no use to you. Because an ally sits on the, on the sideline waiting for me to tell them to do something. I, I, my hand, my, I got enough sp- plates spinning in the, in, in, out there. I don't need right. your allyship. I need you to, if, if they're about to arrest both of us, or about right. to arrest me, you say, no, that was me. And you take that damn paddy wagon ride. That's what the something. hell I need. So here's the, so I'm going to agree with you on that. And, but this is what, when we talked about the concept as a whole, the reason that the word allyship was even used was because it was a term that was understood. And that's why I meant. changed it because you say it was understood. I challenged that because again, who got to define that term? And that right. I saw too many white folks getting off, calling themselves. I mean, would really be pissed. This is why I don't like it mm-hmm. because they would get somebody in, let's say in your group, pause the play would say they were allied to pause the play. Mm-hmm. They would come in my community and I would say they was fucking up and they were like, but I'm a pause the play ally. Fuck that's Mm-mm. pause the play bitch. They ain't got shit to do with me over here. That right. shit don't transfer. What the fuck are you talking about? And so, so they got the ally. It was like a badge and they would right. wear it on their jacket every day on where they went. And I'm like, bitch, you ain't doing shit here. Now, don't learn you're not doing anything, but you're causing harm. So, no, I don't. That's oh, that was amazing. And then they would an allyship can be retracted. A co-conspirator can't yes. retract because you're a part of this. So when they right. got their feelings hurt on Twitter, they'd be like, 
Well, I'm done. I just won't do anything then. Okay, that's right. thank you for showing that you're a white supremacist. Thank you right there, because right. that's what you just did. So that's why. And so if ally, the term ally meant something when the marginalized folks was using it. When right. white folks started using it, it, it they, they stripped all the meaning out of it because then they took on that badge. Allyship is something that someone tells you you're doing in the, for them in their community, not something that you take on for yourself. And so for me, yeah, no, that's a, that, if you give whiteness an mm-hmm. a, a inch, it will take a mile. So nope, when, I don't use that term. Are you a co-conspirator? Are you willing to take these blows for me? If you're not, then I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't need you. The biggest thing that's come up for me when I would see any of the conversation of any of the terms from when it really boiled down to all of it was that I don't care what term is being used. Use the action. (laughs) Right. If you're not doing anything. And that's what I say. Co-conspirative, collaborate. I don't care what the term is. If you are doing nothing, if you are watching it, if you are witnessing it, if you are a bystander, if you are a, indirect part of it because you did nothing, which means you're still a part of it. I don't care what word you put on it at the end of the day. Yes. And I, and I agree with that. And and yet, let me, let me, let me break. Um, I agree with that. And I put a period on that. Mm-hmm. The thing though is people need a language. And right. so that's why co- co-conspirator works for me because right. If if you're not in action, then you're not that. I don't have to. I don't right. have to name you that. Your actions tell me that. That's why for me, when I say whiteness is racist by design, can't be trusted by default without a consistent, demonstrated anti-racist practice. Right. That's what I mean. Right. So if you don't have a demonstrated, consistent anti-racist practice, right? Then you. you I don't, again, what you, what you call it doesn't matter to me, but I know like hell it's not allies. Don't do that. I've never seen an ally have a consistent demonstrated anti-racist practice. I haven't. What I've seen is folks who co-conspirators who put themselves out there were like, Oh no, you're not going to do that. And this is why you're not going to do that. I'm going to stand between you doing that and causing harm. Right. So I agree with you, except for as an an educator, I know people need words. Well, and that is, that is the gift and the curse of it because we need words to be able to have shared language and understanding and to try to figure out, okay, well, this word means this thing. So what's the action that's connected to it? Mm-hmm. And yet people get so hooked on the words and so hung up on it that the semantics of it will then somehow pause the action for some people. Well, one of the things I, I, I agree with you on that, and, and it's about setting community standards. Right. So for me, I always start my talks or whatever with defining terms. We do that too. Because I want to make thank sure. You for doing, huh? I'm glad you do that. We do that. I'm like, oh, thank you. Somebody yes. else. Because that doesn't always happen. Ex- because, well, all, but, but it addresses the thing you're talking about because everybody has a different understanding of what's. A, so like when I, ta- when I advise people on building or, or developing their code of conduct, mm-hmm. right? They always want to come at me with some, um, a sexual harassment. Okay. I get it. And it sounds great, but what the hell does that mean? Um, let's def- we have to define what sexual harass- harassment means in this community because for some people it means I told you once to leave me alone, so you ask me again. That's sexual harassment. To somebody else, it means I didn't rape you. So we need to. That's a whole gamut. And so until I define it, I can't hold you accountable. Right. So that's why the words are important. Right. Because if I define it and we agree on the terms, then when you violate those terms, those boundaries, then I ho- have something to hold you accountable for. Absolutely. 
And without that, then you'd be like, well, I didn't know. Again, all whiteness can only be hero or victim and never the villain. So I'm trying to eliminate any outweigh that they can be a hero or victim. Right. Well, and that gets the gray. Because if there's no gray area, then there's no place for you to try to hide. And that, well, also, now that's a slippery slope too. That's a slippery slope too. In the fact of nuance is necessary. Yes. See, whiteness lives in binaries. Good, bad, right, wrong, blah, blah, blah. Because they've defined everything. That's why I don't use terms like fair. I'm not nice. I'm kind. I can give a fuck about nice. I don't give a fuck about your feelings. Learn to manage your own fear. That's something else that came out of 2020. I literally was like, oh, I'm no longer managing white folks' feelings. I don't care. I don't care how you feel. You could be crying. I don't, it's not going to be, baby, you need to go handle that. And we'll continue this conversation when you get all that shit together. Cause that ain't got shit to do with me because we, that is, that is emotional labor. I'm no longer taking on. Right. So what it, it was for me was when I stopped managing other people's feelings and understanding that that was no longer my role as a black woman. Oh my God. I had so much freedom, so much, who space to 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 think mm-hmm. and to explore and to and to do all that when you when we take that yoke of white supremacy off our necks that's why i say white black women are the kryptonite to white supremacy we should be based on everything white supremacy has done to us and anti black white supremacy and anti blackness can't be separated so this is why we live in the nuance and they live in the black and white and in in the in in the in the binary because it takes both right if if white supremacy would not work if it were not for anti-blackness. Right. So the fact that black women still not only are, are surviving, but are thriving, we are the kryptonite to this shit. Agreed. And so, um, I, so we need to be, there are certain situations, particular it's classroom management. Let me put it this way. This will be an easy way to describe it. When you came into my classroom, there were very clear um, ways you entered my classroom. Treated like a house. When you come in, you speak. If you don't speak, you can go back out. Don't put your shit down. Don't do nothing. You're going to speak when you come in. And and that was just from the simple fact that it wasn't about civility. It, wasn't, it was a simple fact that my students d- had to learn how to enter spaces. I'm trying to be clear here. Enter spaces in ways that they could observe. Well, on, on their own. dignity but also identify who was the most vulnerable who needed the most attention at that time and so it becomes less about the the me 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 that whiteness is or the individualism and the community when you came into my classroom we were we were a community i won't say a family because um folks use that at work all the time and that is some manipulative shit because family is the first mm-hmm. place we learn to call abuse love. And uh-uh, Ooh, I'm not your damn family. That's a, um, mm. And so as a part of the community, when you come into the community, you say hello. You say, hey, I, 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 how you doing? So that was the first thing. Don't put your shit down until you welcome, until you acknowledge the people in the community, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, that, was, that was a binary. That was a rule. But what wasn't a rule, what was more nuanced was when we were having conversations. When we were having, um, even when it was about schoolwork, when it was about an assignment, somebody could solve this math problem this way and somebody could solve that math problem a different way. As long as you got to the same answer, I didn't give a damn. Right. So we have to be, uh, and this is why it, it, it requires these nuances. Once you, and this is why businesses require 
If you don't, if all you have a product or service at scale, you don't have a business. This is why you need to operationalize your core values, core values in processes, procedures, and policies. Because once you put those things that can be documented, which is explicit knowledge somewhere, then you have the space to deal with the tacit knowledge or the crisis or the risk thing that come that come up. Then you're not starting from scratch every time. So when there was a crisis issue or a risk issue in my in my community as a teacher, because we've taken care of, okay, this is how we enter the room. This is how we behave with each other. Da, da, da. We didn't have those kind of problems. It was something that was an outlier that we had to deal with as a, as a group. So we never had to deal with the same shit over and over again, like the same kid doing the same shit that's harming people. No, no, we weren't doing that. Mm -mm. Right. No, 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 no. Right. Well, and this is where what you said is 100% accurate. I think, yes, there needs to be nuance because the nuance being lost, a lot of things, whether it's translation or understanding, you do need to have that there. And there needs to be understanding of What's your baseline? Because if mm -hmm. people came in and they understood, like, there is a base level of uh, consideration and respect that needs to happen here or you can't be here. And, and that is and that is it. And that is why I do not debate people. I do not. I'm not getting into all of that because we're not on the same baseline. If right. we don't get, if, uh, people always want to debate me on Twitter. Why? I, I, you're the you're the lesson. Why would I? Why would I debate the lesson well, plan? Wait, 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 that, makes, that makes absolutely no sense. True. You're the lesson plan. True. My whole community is watching this. Right. You are the lesson plan. I'm not going to debate the lesson plan, but because also you, we don't have an, a, a shared baseline. So right. my shit, and that's why I had to create again, when I was saying, I don't want to be against white supremacy and anti-blackness, what I want to be for. I want right. to be for supremacy free, coercion free, discrimination free and exploitation free. I can have any conversation with anybody if that is our basic shared understanding. Right. Right. So the so the so the binary is do you believe is this something you want to um, develop or believe in yes or no? Right. If you say no, then you go about your business. If you say yes, now we can get into the nuance. Right. And that's where I think that there is a difference between being able to have space for nuance and having space to hide unclear on you know and and it's like well i mean it kind of sort of it's like mm -mm, disrespect is disrespect exactly that's where um, I, I created the guiding i call them the rules of engagement for this for this um, very reason so the first one is we do not it's a red sign we do not debate people's humanity or right to exist off the table period in the com and that's at the community level period i'm not so that's the at the door at the door are you trying to do that? Well, you can't come in here. Right. The next one is a yellow light where all you, you're trying to figure out who has the persistence of power, who's the most vulnerable. And then all that is, is listening to people's lived experience. They don't have to try to prove, because this is also what you get. Show me the data. Bitch, my life is the data. That's what's the data. That's my lived experience. So all that is, is for you to understand. The next level is where you really have the conversations and that's about beliefs and ideals. And that's where once we agree that this is your lived experience and I'm not debating that, this is my lived experience, I'm not debating that. How can we, now that we have a baseline, come together and create something together? Right. Because that's why I don't believe in, uh, I don't believe in um, uh, compromise. I believe in collaboration. Right. So all of these things obviously put you at that place of not only creating a framework 
but that framework has been turned into a book. <laughs> yes. So and a podcast. See, <laughs> which is which is a completely different thing because there's so many things that we have as Black people that is this intellectual property that unfortunately often very very much lives in our heads. And if it comes out, it doesn't get to blossom in the same types of ways. And so you took this, you created it, and then you created this book that is coming out soon around mm-hmm. it as well. And so everything that we talked about, and this is where I want to be clear, anybody that's taking in this, this conversation, everything that we talked about leads up and into what you're doing, which for me is this is why I'm telling my little, little piece of a story here. <laughs> this is where I'm going to say that for me, I, like Issa Rae said, I'm rooting for everybody black. And there's something to be said about witnessing black people really hitting this place where they're like, I have not only done some things and learned some things, but now I'm about to do some extra things. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that. And this is why whiteness is mediocre and unremarkable. And it's not my peer or not my equal because I don't think it goes back to when I was saying we're being we're of service to people. Right. This is just how we roll. We have to. We've been since walking out the door. It's one hundred and ten percent. We don't get we don't get funded on an idea. Whiteness no. gets funded on an idea. I have to. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest with what I the content that I put out there and the impact I have on people's lives. Mm-hmm. I should be a fucking billionaire. Mm-hmm. Agree. But because it's coming from a black woman. That white people go, oh, trust me, I already know they're going to steal this shit. I already know it. But that's why my voice is so unique. Anything they try to steal from me, anybody in my community be like, well, uh, that's Kim's. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, no, no. And that's, that is the thing. When India and I connected with you, it has always stuck with me. When we were talking about tech and you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Y'all telling me about something you want. Don't tell me. Go create it. Yes. Every time you are looking for something and it does not exist, stop giving people your intellectual property. Go make it yourself. Yep. And that has stuck with me. That has stuck with me. Because we have more. Because and this is why it it, it, because we've been taught and um, not only taught, but the expectation. Right. This is why when we come in the space, we blow y'all out the water because you have been working at 30. You're 30. Our 30 is y'all can't even make me. So all this. So it's funny because everybody's talking about quiet quitting. Black women quiet quit a long time ago. <laughs> I have had conversations about this recently. And somebody somebody said it the, the simplest way. They were like, so I'm quiet quitting because I did the exact thing that I got paid to do. How quiet quitting work? is but quiet quitting is that shit that used to be. I don't I've never I haven't seen a recent um, job description, but that other duties as a sign. That's what that shit is. Yes. Yes. And we're not doing, and that's how black women got roped into everything. Everything fell under, under through other duties as a sign. Yes. Yes. So what we, what we do is come in a space and we're like, Oh, everybody else slacking. Okay. I see this. I mean, I literally had a job and I'm going to, I had a job. I was working for a nonprofit this, and I'm telling you this because nonprofits are no different. People think they all ultra, they operate the same way. Right. Had a, we're working at a nonprofit. I was, I was, um, one, it was, it, it was a distributed team. We had, um, locations all over the country and I was in Chicago and, um, 
our the headquarters were in DC, and so the head receptionist, if that's you want to call it, um, the head administrative assistant was in in DC. So they gave me an assignment. This person gave me an assignment on Friday, I think it was. And so I came in Monday morning, got it done, turned it in. If not Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, by Tuesday afternoon, I get a call. Why did you turn that in? Because I was done. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't do. Oh, oh, okay. So now what I start, what I started doing, they gave me an assignment. I get it done on Monday and I just piecemeal it out the rest of the week and do whatever and start building, do whatever the hell I wanted to for the rest of the week. That is what whiteness is used to. Right. And so that is not what we, that if we tried that, it wouldn't work for us. I've never been so, able to, to, to act and, like that at a job. I, exactly. I would not, not keep it. And so what I did was, oh, I see your, I see your, 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 your standards are way lower than mine. So I'm gonna give you what you want. And I didn't argue about it. So again, I would get, get it done on Monday and I passed this little part out on Tuesday, passed this little part out on Wednesday, passed this little part out on Thursday, <laughs> right. passed this little part on Friday before I got my next assignment. And I would be sitting at, at work watching TV, doing whatever the hell I want to, because that is what y'all just don't understand what it means to be told your whole life that you have to give 110%. You, whiteness is mediocre and unremarkable and I stand by it. White dudes are not my equal at all. What you are, are able to leverage systems, institutions, and policies of white supremacy and anti-blackness in ways that I'm not. Right. That part. That's it. You can't compete with me. I get in a conversation with you. I mean, you may know a technology, Okay, you may go down, go way down in the rabbit hole on the technology. But when I start asking you, how does that apply to this, that, and other, that, that, you have no clue. Right. Right. When I start connecting dots across systems, across industries, you have no clue because you have no idea what I had to do to get to where I am. Right. That for me was clear when I was first introduced to you. And say more. Mm, say more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. First of all, the, it, I didn't meet many people that were in tech that was a black woman. So that was the first part. And somebody mm-hmm. that was in that space that wasn't, that had the wherewithal and was in a place that they were like, I'm not okay with this being like it is. And I'm willing to rage, rage against the machine in this particular mm-hmm. space. Because I'm also going to acknowledge, I don't think that any of us, um, I'm not going to say that, some of us. Um, love to choose whiteness, but I'm not going to talk about them. Um, <laughs> we we recognize. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm put. I'm, 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 I want you to pick up, but I want to put something here because mm-hmm. that we all have our own internalized white supremacy and anti blackness to deal with yes. because we've all been uh, um, acclimated and, and indoctrinated in the systems of white supremacy and anti blackness. Yes, and I think there's a difference between being willing to peel back the layers and figure out yes. where you need to dismantle, and also yep. being willing to just go along with your regularly scheduled programming. Because there you go. You. There you go. Because I can tell you, a lot, I mean, as much as I say about black women are the moral compass, they are not my they are not my target owners. Most black women, professional, when I, and I'm gonna be clear about this because I don't want to denigrate people who are working in service industries or whatever. But I'm talking about people who are in these C suites and stuff like that. I'm a threat to them. Right. They don't like me in the beginning. It takes a while for most, particularly these boomers and Gen, Gen X black women to to get with me because what I'm doing and I get it and I understand I don't take it personally 
when I'm dealing with white folks, I, I, I'm, it's very clear that I am educating the oppressor while also processing my own oppression. When I'm dealing with black women or black folks or brown folks, I, I have to process my oppression, their oppression, and I, we never get anywhere. Because what I'm pointing out, what I my work points out to black women is, baby, you may be here, but because of systems, institutions, and policies of white supremacy and anti-blackness, you could be much further. And right. so all this work you've done is only been a percentage of where you could be. Right. And no one wants to hear that all the work I've done is not... Is I'm I'm because again it goes back to the whiteness of individuality. Right. I did this. I know you didn't. They allowed you, baby. I'm sorry that they allowed me. I, I'm very clear on this. To um the only reason cause a scene was what how successful it was because Trump was out. White folks was not listening to me before then. I was mm-hmm. the angry black woman when Trump finally started wilding out. Right. The more he wowed out, the more I was able to speak, speak my truth, understand my truth, see other people and, and connect dots. This this what's happening right now is what's allowing us to speak. Right. Because we're in a symbiotic relationship. Right. The Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Boberts, the Matt Gates, the 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 the, the, the whomever they are necessary. So that I can have a voice. Right. So I respect that. They're, they hear, if you believe in sp- whatever your spiritual practice, if you believe, they have a contract to fulfill. Right. right. I have a contract to fulfill. But mm-hmm. if it wasn't for them fulfilling that contract, my contract would never be fulfilled. Like Steve Bannon believes in this thing called the fourth Turing. I think that's the name of it. And he talks about that there are builders and, and, and destroyers. And I believe that very clearly. Right. What he doesn't understand as a destroyer, though, is he has to be destroyed in the process. I cannot build on what he leaves behind. Right. Right. And I think more white people are realizing that that they're not only complicit in my harm, but they're being destroyed as well. Right. You 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 don't have an immunity because you were exactly. a part of the destruction and you think that you don't all of a sudden become collateral damage. You, you yes. absolutely because do. again, white supremacy is the only design for chaos and destruction. There is no bottom. Right. So once we're all gone, who do you think it's gonna come for? Right. Right. Well, but that's also the understanding that the 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 structures and the concepts and the these constructs are not limited to being a white person. Exactly. Whiteness is whiteness. It is a it is a concept, it is a construct, it is a way of being and existing and benefiting. Exactly. And 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 you know what? And I can't blame people who 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 have used whiteness for their benefit. I can't, I can't blame them for that because they, what, what was the alternatives? What right. was the alternatives? But what I can say is, and this is controversial because this is why I don't like Ibram Kendi's this one, one, he said this one thing and I, I will never um, uh, recommend his book because it's this one thing that mm. black people can be racist. I'm never recommended. The rest of the book is great. Except he does rail against capitalism in a way that I'm like, whatever, but that's everybody else. But what he's done was, again, his theory and practice, he fucked it up. Because what white folks gravitated to was, Kendi said y'all can be racist. Boo-boo. We cannot be racist. I cannot. No, let me use this example. Candace Owens. Oh, Jesus. Yes, uh uh-huh. Let's break this down. Because I, I, again. I know. Again. I have compassion for her. I extend her a shitload of grace because what Candace, oh, we've always had people like that in our communities. She's yes. benefiting from whiteness. So that's yes. nothing new. What, it, what is different is, is white people have gravitated that shit and amplified it because we have it. 
We've always had Uncle Ruckus in the goddamn community. But, um, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> if if you had not watched the Boondocks, that wasn't for you. Uncle Ruckus was. But um, what what people don't what what our challenge is. She's in, what she's doing is in service to white supremacy and anti-blackness. When the first when she steps into doing anything that is pro-black, she gets her hand slapped. And we saw that with the damn um with the um the the halftime show. She tweeted or she shared how great that halftime show was, and all them white folks went up because that was too damn black. They were offended by it. And for her to say that she appreciated because that's her black culture, she had to shut that shit down. Right. Same thing with Omarosa. I'm, I actually, I got to say, that woman, who the fuck, what other black woman got that damn high in administration of that ilk? So you know what? I ain't got to spend time with her ass, but she did what she had to goddamn do. And what they did was fucked up and forgot that black women document every goddamn thing. That. So even in that environment, she couldn't be 100% black. She still had to protect herself. So no, we cannot, we can hate white folks. We can be, we could do all, we cannot be racist because we cannot leverage systems, institutions, and policies of white supremacy and anti-blackness in our own behalf. Um, Diamonds and silk, whatever, well, whatever the hell their name is, when they popped off at the mouth and said something that them other white folks had said, but white folks didn't want them to say it, they got their ass kicked off of um, Fox News. That is what the reality is. And so to say that black people can be racist is problematic and at best and, and, and causes us to be targeted for violence at worst. Right. Right. No, you are 100% accurate. And that that is where I think when people get in their feelings because they think it's personal, again, that's where the individualism comes up. This is not, and that's why I talk about whiteness because again, I'm not white. People are, are get to be individuals. Everybody else to be get to be groups. And I, that's enough. And let me go back to when I was saying why black women, I am a, I'm a, I'm a threat to them. Quote unquote is because when somebody hears me, trust me, they're going back to work and asking Becky, I mean, asking um, Alicia. So do you believe what Kim says? And so it's a whole different thing. It becomes a, because we're all a group. Right. Right. And see, when I met you, there was no, nothing felt like this is somebody giving group think in any way, shape or form. You showed up (laughs) as Kim, 150% was really clear. Um, fuck 2020 where's, 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 where's my weed I need that please thank you mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but the biggest thing again for me was that you had complete concrete understanding of what it is that you were doing why you were doing it what it was that you wanted to have happen in the spaces that you went in to make change even though cause the scene was how you were moving before you still wanted things to be free of uh, supremacy and coercion. Yeah. Like you wanted that to happen and you understood what needed to change. You understood that these platforms and, and things were inherently racist and things needed to change because this isn't just about let me change the person. No, no, no. You have to go back and change the thing. Mm-hmm. You knew those things. And it's come with the cost. Let me be clear. It's come with the cost. Right. There are a shitload of people who would never hire me or never listen to me. Right. Well, but there's always somebody that is going to. But I probably wouldn't want them to hire or listen to me anyway. Th- th- there's so. that, that part. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and there's also the fact that sometimes it's you're, you're ahead of, of the curve. 
You're and that's what I'm hearing. So that and, that and and so that's an example. So there was a there's a black woman who's a professional who did not like me at the beginning. Few years later, she's she came and she's like, "What you were saying was ahead, and I wasn't ready for it." Right. And so everything that you were saying, and and yes, it was scary to have somebody be like, "No, no, 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 no! Don't tell me! Don't tell nobody else! Go create!" I was like, "Huh? I don't, I don't know <laughs> what." But you are absolutely correct because the creating of your own means that you have a part in trying to create something that is better than what exists because your lived experience ended up being a part of creating this, even with the things that we all have within us that we have to dismantle, not Mm -hmm. taking any of that away. This is still leaps and bounds ahead in the understanding of how equity because needs to Because we can do two up. things at one time. We always that, act like this is everything. I mean, God, it's it's an and, not an or. I write that all that, the time. That part. And so that's also why we're, we're they're not, whiteness is not my equal. It's only or. That's yes. all it knows is or. Yes. Yes. And not only do black women live in and, but we live in multiple ands. It right. could be this and that and that and that and it's all be true. You act like there's an option. We have to live in and. <laughs> Because exactly. it's like, do this and do this and do this and think this exactly. and feel this. The, the and exactly. has to be there. And so exactly. having somebody that was really strong and yet showing up with with this mentor type energy, because that was how it felt for me. Like, We're good. I was like. Good. And that's yes. what the book is. Yes. I feel it is. the I, I want to. It's positioned as being the mentor I wish I had. Right. So and I, and again, we everything we talked about is a part of this book. But I also want to make sure. We are also here to talk about this book because I need y'all. Y'all need to buy this book. Like this is this is fully. I don't have no shame in being like you need to go buy this book. And please, <laughs> please feel free to tell them that you anything that we haven't addressed because I I have been very blessed to feel like we came in contact with you. And I I don't even remember how we came in contact. Somebody put us in contact, and I swear I don't remember who it is. I'm gonna go exactly. dig, dig through my in my <laughs> inbox and find because. I just, I, I, you, you stuck with me and there have been multiple times that we have been like, well, you know what Kim told us? It has come up. (laughs) There have been people that have asked me for things. And this is where we've had people, um, that are a part of, you know, our network or our communities that are like, I am looking for this thing. And I don't feel good about giving the money to somebody that's white. Do you Mm -hmm. have an alternative? Mm -hmm. And so there are people Mm -hmm. that are like, no, 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 I want to do this different. And, and, and we're like, uh, do, you, do you can and can there it be and that's my thing. There are more it? of those people than we know. It's right. just that the other side has been louder and been mobilized longer. Yes. There are way more of us than there are of them, and that's another reason why they don't understand them. Why they had to be destroyed because they're not enough for them. They're going right. to die out. Right. So, so like I said, I'm, I'm going to. So the book. Let's just go on and get it. So. Yes. Tell me. Give so me. The, so the book's title is "The Profit Without Oppression: A Blueprint for Building an Anti-Racist Organization." So the reason I wrote this is because I've always been an entrepreneur at my heart, but I can never figure out, even with the freaking internet, how to make it work because I don't have, and I've had the best mentors. They've all been white. And that has also been a problem because they make assumptions about my ability to leverage systems, institutions, and policies that I don't have access to. So there's always been like this, I get an overview, but I never could dive deep, even with uh, Googling, mentors, all this other stuff. And so what I ended up doing, and this is what I am over, and this is why I'm doing this because I, by the time I finish school, because I'm finishing my doctorates in business administration, and I'm focusing on technology entrepreneurship. When I'm done, I will be well over $300,000 in debt. 
And no one should have to do that to get this information that is passed down to whiteness. Right. So what my goal is to, to democratize business school education. I'm trying to get it to any in any hands of people, particularly those who are marginalized and underrepresented, who would not have access to this information without. Because I recognize that it's $300, $300,000, but it's still a privilege that I was able to get it. Right. I was able to that because school is not for everybody. This damn doctorate has been kicking my ass because it is not designed for my black brain. It is not. It is not. It's not supportive in any way. It is not. I've had to not only pay for that, but I'm also paying outside uh, outside individual to what helped me through this because it is so triggering and so just is such a shitty white supremacist system that I'm going through. But without this lived experience, I wouldn't be able, I would not have turned to profit out of pressure because I wouldn't have seen, I would have continued to see the failures as personal to me instead of, oh, this ain't got shit to do with me. This is outside of me. These are systems, institutions, and policies being impacting me and my lived experience. So the book is, is it's very much um, a memoir. It's very much a my my, um, my um, publisher calls it. I think she calls it a, a, a memoir fiction, um, nonfiction, or something like that. Because it's really about the journey of how how to get there, mm-hmm. how to how do you break down? It's like the first part is know thyself. You have to really be really self reflective. You really have to get used to calling yourself out and holding yourself accountable. And when you fuck up making amends, you have to do that work first. And that has been the problem. Everybody wants to be all on board with being anti-racism, but you're not being holding yourself accountable. You don't know where you're causing harm. Right. So that's the first part. And then the second part is know that organization where I walk you through my six step process of building a business that is rooted in core values that are based on supremacy, free coercion, free discrimination, free and anti um, exploitation free. And how do you change core values instead of them being just some some things on a, on a wall or a website into how do you operationalize those in, in processes, procedures and policies. And so you can operationalize your business in ways that anybody, your five stakeholders who are who works from you, who partners with you, who buys from you, who is impacted by you and then who invests in you instead of shareholder value only. So there's a lot that's in it. And then at the end, I talk about um, the th- the third part is know that community. How do you build a community within your organization? And, and again, not this bullshit, uh, traumatic, abusive family crap or the default assume positive intent. I'm not assuming no positive intent with these fucking racist i'm not no you out of your mind i don't believe in empathy because that saying i gotta wait for you to figure out that i'm feeling something for you to stop harming me nope we're not doing that so i talk about all of that right and what i what people and i'm gonna say this here and i haven't said this before okay so it's a secret y'all okay the book is very subversive because if you can understand and embody supremacy coercion discrimination and exploitation free at work hmm you will be doing it in your home as well (gasps) what because you cannot be you cannot embody these things and still have your personal life someone in your life who has to be less than just so you can be greater than you can't do it that so this is how we all this is my solution to how we all 
start building a consistent, demonstrated anti-racist practice. Mm, all of it. So, first of all, you know I don't want to stop talking, and already <laughs> my, my my podcast team is going to be like, "Why you go so long?" Because I because I'm grown and I can. Um, <laughs> but um, I as if you know the action. At least for me, the action is already that I want them to be able to order the book. However. Everyone that is taking in this content, whether in written form or um, listening to this audio, if there's one action that you would want the listeners to take to create change, what would you want that to be? Understanding that we're here by design. It was not this. That's a huge. People keep saying, oh, we got. Nope. Mm-mm. If you go read the Powell memo, P-O-W-E-L-L memo, memorandum came out in 70 or 71. I think it was 71. Powell actually became, he was the, um, he wrote the, the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce um, 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 paid him to write this memorandum because it was right after this, the, you know, the flower power to 60 was right after the civil rights movement and industry realized that liberal thinking, inclusive thinking, diversity, true diversity of thought was a problem for them. Mm-hmm. And so they commissioned Powell to write this memorandum and he breaks it all down. How we got conservative. Um, he talks about, we need to get conservatives into academia to start writing conservative research. Uh, we need, to, and he knew they knew it was a long-term plan and it was going to cost shitload of money. That was in the seventies. So what you see there as a strategy. Now, you could look back at McCarthyism and stuff in the 50s, but that was just, that wasn't a strategy. This was a full-blown strategy. If you look at that, I need you to understand that it's systems, institutions, and policies that have been designed. So I need you to stop looking at everything as if it just happened, because once you start seeing that it's happening as designed, then you can step back and it's not so personal. Mm-hmm. You can come out the personal and this will keep black women from being so burnt out because it's not personal. Right. Right. And then create a strategy of how you want to take any part of that dog on that power memo, because that was my, that was what really emboldened me. It was the understanding that, Oh shit, this was not, this is just didn't just happen. It was a strategy. So if they could create a strategy, I can. So I like to leave this because there's so much work to do. Right. When I say I'm re- I'm building a new ecosystem, there's so much work to do. So I don't want to give you a blue. Uh, a, that's why the book is a blueprint. Right. That's why it's a, it's a blueprint for building an anti-racist organization, because every house has a roof, walls and flooring. But every house doesn't have the same roof, walls and flooring. Right. So you have to make it work for yourself. So take a look at that Powell memo and don't get the don't don't get a version that somebody's commentary. Go get the original version. And it's in it's it's photocopied and it's a, it looks like a facsimile. It is so old looking. And I can give you that link. Um, yes, please. Um, yes, Erica. So you can share that. Yes. Um, read this and then use that to create the strategy that for you aligns with supremacy-free, coercion-free, discrimination-free, and exploitation-free. If you do that, you are on your way. Thank you. So, 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 like, I I don't know whatever the next thing is from thank you, but thank you. <laughs> because I appreciate that we can, 
you know, have things that, you know, yes, we see eye to eye, we, we, we see side eye to this side and it ain't quite there, whatever it is. I have an immense amount of respect for you. I appreciate being able to have things that we have differences of opinion on and things that we are like, hey, at the end of the day, this is all getting us to the same place. Yes. I appreciate every piece of your your brain that you, you are spending $300,000 to go and get these pieces of paper for. All mm. of the things that you are going through and that you are sharing and using to make the world a better place. And part of that has been definitely impacting us and I'll speak for myself definitely impacting me I am immensely grateful for you and I appreciate you being here and sharing every you know piece that you've shared all of that goodness and giving everybody something else to go out here and work toward when it comes to being supremacy free coercion free discrimination free and exploitation free thank you Kim this conversation is something that I'm really glad that you got to to witness it because Again, Kim is somebody that greatly impacted the way that, you know, I was processing things and, and perceiving things. Again, this showed up in a conversation with Indy and I. So it isn't just me, but this is me sharing with you how, you know, it definitely was, you know, a personal thing. And knowing that there's been this evolution and yet the base is I want things to be different and I know it's possible and I know I can do this. And so I'm going to do it by the means that feel like the current means that need to happen. Like being able to just kind of, you know, be a fly on the wall for this conversation and and Kim letting us all into what this evolution has been and, and where she is right now, again, on the heels of her book coming out. That's it's, it's just, it, this was so good. So all the things that came from this, I'm so glad that you got to take this in and I, I do want you to take Kim's suggestion and go check out that link that's going to be in um, the article so that you can read up on the Powell um, memorandum and go ahead and figure out what's next for you. Remember, stay in action, folks. Also, we got toward the end of the episode. Kim didn't get an opportunity because I forgot to prompt her. That was totally my fault. Y'all, imperfection showing up um, <laughs> to give the links where you can find her. Um, again, these are going to be in the article. But for those of you that are taking in the audio, you can go to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash the future is free or Kim Everything will be in the article as well, but wanted to make sure you had that. So for every single episode and conversation and moment that you show up here, taking in these real conversations so that we can normalize the challenging things and make them a part of your everyday exchanges, I thank you. Together, this is how we remove stigma and create real change and connection. Continue crossing lines and recreating boundaries to support and not separate. Together, let's continue getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and state of being. So. Till the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. 
having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?